After the win over Texas Tech, the overall vibe for the program is pretty solid, but it's a mixed bag of emotions as well. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day in your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fandle.com slash locked on to get started. So a lot of things transpired on Saturday night that I reacted to then. We'll continue breaking down now. Overall, the vibe is good. The mood can improve, though, because Oregon's play can improve. So we'll talk about all of that. Three things that need to improve after the win against Texas Tech. And Camden Lewis deserves praise and also delivered uh, an early contender for my favorite quote of the year. Lanning had a funny one about uh, Jeffrey Bossa helping people with uh, uh, tickets for Oregon minus six and a half cover the spread. But anyway, um, I think this was a mixed bag for for the Ducks. Let's start with the positive. We'll start on an uplifting note, and then we'll kind of weed through the things that that need to get better here. But one thing that we asked coming into this season as fans was, hey, is the defense going to be better? That was perhaps the question, right? That was the principal question with this team. There were others. You know, what does the offensive line look like? That needs to get better. What will Stein do? He had his moments, but, you know, came through when he needed to over over the weekend in Lubbock. But the defense was the question, specifically for me, the defensive lines. Like, hey, you, you got to be able to get pressure with four. You have to be able to pressure the quarterback, period. And I thought that Oregon looked the way that we wanted them to, to create a better version of this Ducks defense. Did they play their best on Saturday that they will this entire season? I don't think so, no. I don't think that that defensive performance was as strong as what we saw against, say, Utah, which was the you know kind of defensive shining moment in, in 2022. BYU was also very good, but uh, I think that Utah was certainly the best moment last year. This was a game that had a lot of good things defensively, and that started up front. So Oregon gives up the uh, the big run early in the game to Tyler Shuck. After that, uh, he had something like 22 carries for like 43 yards. So the quarterback run was kind of tough to stop, but then also we made adjustments there. And that was another positive theme defensively throughout the night was adjustments got made. The defense that started giving up big plays in the third quarter and whatnot, yet three points in the fourth and the last three, uh, the last three sequences for the Ducks defensively were all stops when we needed it most. And I think it was Jeff Schwartz made a point that, uh, who's a great follow. If you don't follow Jeff Schwartz on Twitter, you should. I, I think he is honest accurate, uh, detail-oriented, funny. Like he, He's a great follow for all Duck fans out there. He pointed out that last year's defense does not get all of the stops that Oregon's defense made in this game. Now, do they allow some of the same plays that they did last year, make some of the same bonehead mistakes? Absolutely. And, and, and we'll talk about those. But the sack 
that led to uh, a fumble from Jamal Hill, the sack early in the game, the pressure that led to the game clinching pick six and every like those were not sequences that we saw from Oregon consistently last year. And I think it all started up front. They had pressure on Tyler Shuck. They generated four sacks. Some of those were from defensive linemen. Plus, it was really five sacks because Texas Tech took the penalty, but Mateo had a sack. Mateo looked great. He had a sack. Blake Purchase also had a great moment. Uh, true freshman defensive end Tatum Tuioti uh, played a lot, but Mateo had a sack, and he and other defensive linemen were creating a lot of pressure. Mateo had one, and Bryce Betcher had one. Tysheem Johnson had one, and and Popo Amavai had one. So I liked what what I saw up front. I thought they were more physical. They generated pressure more consistently. And that's what we're going to need because this is the best conference in the country, the Pac-12. It continues to be that week after week. And you know why principally? Because we have the best quarterbacks. Like the quarterback depth is ridiculous. Jaden Delore is like the eighth best quarterback in the league. Okay. And that guy goes for 300 yards regularly. He turns it over quite a bit. But he can go for 300 yards against basically anybody. I think he was top 15 in the country in passing yards last year. So you're going to have to be able to get pressure with just four guys. I saw Oregon doing that. I also saw overall greater team speed across the board. I thought Oregon looked faster. I thought Jamal Hill looked good at linebacker. Bossa is bigger. I thought he did much better against the run while also maintaining his speed. He had some good tackles in space. He, He had an outstanding game. Nine tackles, eight solo, and the pick six. Like, and a tackle for loss, I'm pretty sure. Like, he he had a fantastic football game. But the secondary looked a lot faster when they were around the line of scrimmage. Now in coverage, they, they need to be better in in some areas. But yeah, a, a, a TFL, a touchdown, and nine tackles total for Jeffrey Boss. A heck of a game. I thought when, it, you know, Bryce Betcher looked great. If he's going to be a player, hey, I'm all for it. I mean, give me the best players who are on the field. I don't care how they get there. I don't care if they were five-star recruits. I don't care if they were walk-ons. I don't care if they play baseball or if they've only played football their entire lives. Like, whoever the best players are, put them on the field. And that's what Dan Lanning, I, I thought, showed uh, by, by having Betcher out there because he looked good. And also, a part of that is Justin Jacobs uh, has not played yet. If he's able to get healthy, I am in. I am intrigued to see what he is at the linebacker spot. But uh, I, I thought the safeties looked much faster than than last year. The defensive front was was more physical. So uh, I, I liked that. I liked that the linebackers were, were better. So that long run that we gave up to Tyler Shuck on their opening possession that just made you go, oh my gosh, what are we, what are we, what are we doing? Is this the same old, same old? Like what's happening here? If you go back and watch the actual play develop, I believe it was Evan Williams' fault. And Evan Williams, in the eyes of PFF, had a really bad football game. And when I went back and was kind of combing through uh, select plays and such, Evan Williams made a couple of mistakes. He did not play week one against Portland State. So he was probably shaking off all the rust and understanding the communication and everything. It was clearly not all the way there. Um, But he took some poor angles. He had a, a missed assignment, I think, on... On that third down, uh, he and Triquez Bridges miscommunicated on the third and 14 that later turned into what was, I think, the final Texas Tech touchdown. He and Triquez Bridges had a miscommunication there. I believe, though I am not certain, usually how you defend stacked receivers is the near corner, or the you have one corner close to the line of scrimmage or one defensive back. He takes the top guy, and then the defensive back behind takes the other guy wherever he goes, and they both ran with the top guy. 
So uh, I don't know. Maybe that was on Triquez. Maybe that was on Evan Williams. But I think Evan Williams looked physically like he belonged out there because he does and has the potential to be a playmaker for the Ducks going forward. He just did not have a good game on Saturday, but I don't expect that to necessarily continue. Um, When Tysheem Johnson makes a play around the line of scrimmage, he looks like he is just popping dudes out there. He's hitting them. He is hitting them hard, and it looks the way you want a fast physical defense to look. He has some coverage elements that definitely need to improve. Um, On the whole, I'd say you know he, he made big plays, and then he got beat in other plays. Now, going up against a 6'9 tight end, sometimes he was in really good coverage, and he's just going up against a tight end who's six foot nine. Like You, you can't do anything about that, uh, really. But there, there were a couple moments, like on the first touchdown and pass interference later, which I didn't think was a good call. Um, I thought they were both being handsy, and it should have been no call. Um, but on the touchdown, he got beat pretty bad. But he certainly rebounded and ended up having an impact in a positive way for, for the Oregon defense. So... I really liked uh, those elements, and those were kind of the the, the positives uh, defensively. Offensively, it was, again, a, a, a mixed bag. Athletic Brewing Company doesn't give you a mixed bag, though. They just give you quality products because they are changing the non-alcoholic beer game as they have been. So time for our game-changing moment of the week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Jeffrey Bossa changed the game with his game-clinching pick six late against the Red Raiders, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. I have some in my fridge. Chef's kiss. Fantastic. Their brews are great tasting, award-winning, and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. They're fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, make any activity more enjoyable. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Did not have an athletic brew for the second segment sip. I always go crisp, clean, cold ice water, but every other time. Athletic Brewing gets the job done. So, offensively, this was a mixed bag for the Ducks as well. Bo Nix was really good. We threw the ball well. The offense showcased their depth. We got tight ends involved. We got running backs involved. We got receivers involved. Everything that we talked about all offseason leading up to, uh, you know, the Portland State, now the Texas Tech games, we've seen on full display. The skill positions have got crazy good depth across the board. They have recruited and developed some guys. They've brought in guys via the portal. It's a mixture of everything, and you've got everything really that that you need to succeed offensively in the Pac-12, which is, as I said, and continues to be true, the best conference in America, and it's a primarily offensive league. Oregon's weapons, if you go running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, can go toe-to-toe with anybody else in the Pac-12. Absolutely. If you compare individual units, they might not be at the top all the time, but I think we've got the best running backs, probably the third or fourth best receiving core, and a really, really solid group of tight ends with a high-end number one tight end in in Terrence Ferguson, and I thought Patrick Herbert looked good uh, as well. So offensively, though, uh, one of the three things that I had down as the 
biggest areas of improvement for the Ducks was the run game. And, and this was a little surprising to me. Now, I talked in the offseason, and some people viewed this issue differently, or matter, not issue necessarily, but it was an issue on, on Saturday. I thought there would be an adjustment phase for the offensive line. And a lot of people felt that, well, you know, you're, you're replacing four starters, but look, look how much talent, look how much experience you're bringing into the room. Yeah, true. But anytime you're replacing, you know, four regular starters from a year ago and, you know, JPJ and Marcus Harper, Stephen Jones played a lot of football last year. Anytime you're working in a new center and a new left tackle, I felt that there would at least be kind of an adjustment phase to get up to speed with each other, understand the chemistry and the calls and, and everything like that, because offensive line units are, you know, probably the most important on the offensive side of the ball in terms of chemistry on a play-to-play -play basis. Quarterbacks and, you know, their receivers as well, but they don't work together on every play. Not every quarterback and receiver are doing something necessary. Like quarterbacks not throwing to every receiver on every play, but those five guys are all blocking on, on every single play. So I think there is room to grow on the offensive line. Now, pass blocking, they were excellent. They, they, they were excellent. And that's where I think you see the talent. But I think where the room to grow comes in is in the running game, where Oregon was a very, very good team a season ago. And they ran it for 3.6 yards a carry and just 112 yards and most notably failed to pick up a first down after having second down and one. So there is definitely uh, what, I, what I expected to be there, which is it's not going to be all perfect right away. And I don't see how they can play or be expected to play at the same level as the offensive line did last year. But this is, I think, something that has to continue to grow and develop for the Ducks as time goes on because you can't be in a situation with this Oregon team and the way the offense works and where we are when, when we're at our best, where we just can't run the football and have to rely on Bo completely and entirely. I think Bo is fantastic and great. I think he's been at his best and Oregon's been at their best when there is a balance of run and pass and we can take our shots down the field off of play action. So uh, that that's definitely one area that I had marked down is that is a definite uh, need for growth. The running backs all look really good. Um, they, they've got kind of their distinct styles, and I, I think they're all great. Like the running back de running back depth is is crazy crazy good. We'll see that again this week uh, against Hawaii because uh, that game uh, Oregon's a thirty seven and a half point favorite right now, so they're uh, going to be fine as we all suspected. Second thing, and this is just. Deja vu for Duck fans. Third down defense got better as the game went on. That's, that, is, that is a point of real encouragement is Texas Tech was converting a lot of third and fourth downs early. They failed on a fourth down late. Oregon got off the field a couple times. Um, speaking of third down, I, I have to shout out Blake Purchase. So there was a play. This is the sort of nerdy detailed stuff that, that I watched for. But when we forced them into a field goal try, and the 45 yarder that their guy hit to take a 20, uh, what was it? What would it have been? 20 or a 30 to 28 lead. The 45 yarder was a really good kick. Props to him. On third and 15, Blake Purchase made a fantastic football play. So he was rushing off off the left side, and it was a four man rush. It was just you know zone coverage, keeping everything in front on the back end. And he didn't get by his guy. He, he pushed him back a little bit, the right tackle, but didn't completely get by him. 
But the pocket was starting to collapse enough to where Shuck didn't stay there. He flushed out to his right. And Purchase recognized it immediately, did a little pirouette, chased after Tyler Shuck, who then wasn't able to run around and forward, but had to run around and back. So suddenly, instead of being four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage, he was seven or eight, meaning he was 23 yards away from the line to gain. Purchase runs him down, doesn't give him an angle, doesn't give him an angle to run, and he throws it away. I was really impressed with that. That is the sort of thing that doesn't show up in a box score that from a true freshman, I went, that was really good. That was really, really good. The recognition and then having the, the the physical capability to make that move and just make that adjustment on the fly, I thought was really, really good. Oregon's third down defense, however, still bad. And this was not a situation where, you know, sometimes I've heard coaches say, well, you're good on third down. I've heard Landing say, in fact, you're good on third down because of what you do on first and second down. That is definitely true. It is also true that Oregon allowed a third and 14, a third and 18, and other third downs that were at least six yards in length far too often. And that has been the bugaboo for this defense. And this staff is still trying to find the right combination of plays to get off the field consistently on third down. Like I, I live for a world in which Oregon is a 40% third down defense, which would be really, really good. Like seven of 12, that's not going to cut it. And if Texas Tech is doing that to you, what do you think USC and Washington are going to do who have really good play callers? Um, 7 and 12 on third down, 1 of 2 on on fourth. Uh, the first fourth down conversion was just the epitome of, of what I'm talking about. We were kind of scrambling, and then it was just a three on two out wide, and the nearest corner was like six or seven yards off, and Mace Funa was the closest defender, but there were two blockers for two defenders and they just threw that quick little you know slant screen and then we came up to make the tackle and they they picked up four or five yards on what was a fourth down and two or three and it was just an easy pitch and catch and it was like why what why are you giving that big of a cushion when you know they're only trying to pick up a few yards I, I just that has been a point of frustration for us as fans over and over and over again for the last couple seasons that was not completely fixed there were glimpses of improvement, but overall, that still has to get better as, as the season goes on. Uh, next thing, the penalties. Uh, secondary had a bunch of 15-yarders. Um, the offensive line. Uh, Lanning talked in the postgame presser about Texas Tech, and Bo Nix tried to tell this to the officials because he felt that they were being... Uh, induced essentially to commit a false start like you can't as a defensive lineman you can't clap because that's a cadence for the offense there was something that texas tech was saying or doing that was that when they would shift sometimes on the defensive line that was similar to bo nix's snap call and, and bo tried to go to the officials a couple times and say hey they're doing this they're drawing us into a false start and you can't do that uh, and Lanning mentioned that post game as well. Whatever the case may be, it's not as if they're going to be the only team that tries to do that if it clearly works. Because the procedure penalties uh, were, were just way too frequent. I think there were four false starts, three or four, a uh, couple holding penalties, and defensive pass interferences where uh, we had 14 penalties for 124 yards. Um, yeah, more penalty yards than rushing yards. That, that's not a game you, uh, it's not a formula for success 
time, time and time again. Um, so that has to improve. And, and I think that's uh, probably the number one area. Like if I had to pick any of these to say, hey, where do we most need to improve to get better? Um, you know, 112 yards on three and a half yards of carry is not great. Uh, seven and 12 on third down, one or two on fourth, not great, but also, you know, they made some really, really key stops and plays. You can't have 124 penalty yards and win a lot of football games. It, it, you just, that, that's, that, that's gotta get better. So, uh, I thought the secondary had their moments, but they certainly had some penalty moments, uh, including some, some real, real head scratchers that I, I think I know how we are all feeling. I think we all also know that FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The NFL season is here with incredible offers from FanDuel, which is numero uno in the sports book department all across this great country. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So Kyrie Jackson had an interception. He had moments of good coverage. He had a missed tackle when Texas Tech was moving down to set up their Hail Mary at the end. Up and down day for him. He had probably the two worst penalties of the day. And I I don't have anything against this kid in particular, but those were two of the worst penalties I've ever seen. That is not hyperbole. To, to not even look at the football on third and 18 when it's chucked up into the air. Like, Shuck has got a good arm, but the ball was just floating up in the air. If he goes and finds it, he either has an interception or is able to knock it away. And, and I, I have never... It was one of those things that jumped off the TV and, and you just looked at it and went, what, what just happened? What did I just watch? Was that... Did I miss something? Is something going? What's what's happening here? The ball's thrown in your direction, and you go level the wide receiver. You can't have that. And Lanning talked about composure on the back end, trusting where you need to be, and understanding what has to happen in that moment. Because that that was that was that was on a third and eighteen. Like those are the moments you just you, you can't have that. And in a lot of games, if you look back and have a penalty like that it will end up costing you the football game. And it could have here, because if memory serves, that led to a Texas Tech scoring drive. And then late in the game, when Oregon was able to force a holding penalty off the Tyler Shuck scramble up the middle, he comes and hits him late in the middle of the field. So those penalties were inexcusably bad. There were other ones that were not great, but those two in particular, I looked at and said, dude, what are you doing? Like, I think that there's reason to believe that that will pass because last week there there was a um, a lot of a lot of rotation happening on the back end of the defense, and Kyrie Jackson didn't play a lot of football last year in Alabama. I think he had just some pent up frustration or anger about not playing, desire to play on the football. I I, I don't know. Call it whatever you want. But he looked like a guy who just really, really needed to hit somebody any opportunity he could. When he does, 
dude is a hard-hitting corner, and he's got coverage skills, and he's physical, and I'm okay with that. That has to be dialed in. I, I mean, specifically. You know, there are elements to Oregon's penalty issues that you can trace to a variety of areas, but those two penalties, that's 30 yards right there from one guy making two plays that are just flat-out inexcusable. So I thought that when he was actually in coverage, he did a pretty nice job. We saw that on the interception. He's a little handsy. He's a little physical. As long as every corner isn't like that for the Ducks, I'm okay with that. So I, I'm a Seahawks fan. They stunk today. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I remember watching the Legion of Boom, and, and the early iteration of that secondary had Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, and a guy actually from Oregon State by the name of Brandon Browner, who was notorious for being overly physical at times and picking up a lot of penalties. Conversely, Richard Sherman was just a high-level athlete and ball skill guy and had great anticipation because he was a receiver. And you had two incredible safeties on the back end. And Browner got, got called for a flag every now and then. But that was okay. Because you'll get away with stuff sometimes. Other times you won't. He got away with a little bit of a tug on the interception. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is if he's going to be that sort of physical presence at the cornerback position, that's okay. That, But he's got to be the only guy that plays that way or we're just going to keep racking up penalties at too high a rate. And if the penalties don't stop, then the depth chart, in my view, would need to change. I don't think that Kyrie Jackson needs to be taken off the field. I think he made two really bonehead plays. He made two bad mistakes that that almost proved costly for Oregon. And I am not saying that he's you know one guy who almost lost us the game, but he had two penalties that were, I mean, that's that's a quarter of Oregon's penalty yards, and neither needed to happen at all whatsoever. So that's the, those were the moments that were the most frustrating, I think, for all of us as Duck fans. Was not just the penalty, right? When, when Tysheem Johnson got flagged for pass interference, I thought, that's kind of ticky-tack. They're both hand-fighting. I see how you could call it, but I thought that was kind of ticky-tack. And when Brandon Dorless, you know, hit Tyler Shuck, who had barely released the football, I was like, you don't have to throw that flag. I didn't like that particular call. I see how you can. Those are the ones that still have to be cleaned up. You got to be smarter, got to have more awareness and such. But it was the nonsensical ones that just made no sense. You didn't have any understanding or justification for what was going on. That's what Oregon's got to get rid of. Uh, I mean, if they have just 60 penalty yards in that game, if they cut that in half, I think we win by two scores, uh, which was my original prediction. So, um, yeah, I think that's it on, uh, on on the penalty side of things. And then the question here with, with all this stuff, right, with the penalties, the third down defense, and, and the running game, is can Oregon improve? Yeah, of course. It's week two. No one plays their best football in week two. I don't think anybody plays their best football in week one. Heck, it, it could come in week five. It could come in week six. But I look what Oregon was in week one last year, and I look at what they were in the game that I compared this to going in a season ago, Washington State. They played a better brand of football from there on out. So I think we have reason to believe that these things can be coached out of players and that they can play a cleaner, more efficient version of football. Um we won't know uh, until the Colorado game, really. Hawaii's not going to be much of a test. But if the coaches are up to the task, then yes, all these things can improve. Uh, finally, before I get to a few mailbag questions, I'm going to answer really quickly. Um, 
Actually, I'll save a couple for for, for tomorrow. Um, Camden Lewis gave the greatest quote I've ever seen from a kicker. So he comes in. We're down 30 to 28. And he's lining up to kick a field goal. And, you know, I've watched him kick the last couple of years. Anything inside of 40, he, he reminds me of Morgan Flint right now from back in the day. Automatic. Aiden Schneider, he feels like he is in a really good spot. Knock on wood. But I've liked what I've seen from him. I, I, I loved this quote so much. And I, I was never much of a football player. Shocking, I know, for a guy whose nickname is Smalls. But I've always had an affinity towards kickers because that was the highlight of my football career was in seventh grade. Um, I was a kicker and I was good at it and it was worth two points. And that was a big advantage for uh, our team. And we had a very good football team in my seventh grade year. So um, I loved this quote so much from Camden, who was nails. First of all, how about Camden Lewis, the kickoff specialist? Dude is booting it out of the back of the end zone. Do that all you want. All you want. But for him to be doing that and to be as reliable as he's become with field goals, uh, he, he's, he's got such an awesome story, and he's become a really good football player and specialist for the Ducks. Um, <laughs> he gave this quote when someone asked him, hey, what's going through your head when you're you know lining up for that kick? He misses that kick, we lose the football game, right? Because then the Jeff Boss interception never happens because they never need to throw the football. We only had two timeouts. He misses that kick. We lose the football game. Here's his quote about what was going through his head. He says, it's kind of funny. Everyone was cheering really loud. And I was just thinking, sorry, guys, this is going to hurt for you to watch. There was no doubt in my mind. Oh, Camden, quote of the year. <laughs> This, sorry guys, because he's a nice dude, this is going to hurt for you to watch. I've never seen a kicker give a quote like that. That That is thoroughly good. And Camden Lewis, so far this year and last year, has been thoroughly good. Um, I'm sure the Texas Heat was helping him, but he was smashing the ball out of the back of the end zone on the kickoffs, which I think is great made his field goal tries and the PATs. Uh, I mean, dude, that that is that is stones. <laughs> that is some Michael Jordan killer mentality right there. Just sorry guys. This is going to hurt for you to watch. That's 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 fantastic stuff. Uh real quick I'll answer one mailbag, save a couple for uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, YouTube comments, uh, always always open Twitter as well. If you want priority mailbag, uh, go check out the Locked on Ducks subtext, which you can join in the uh, description below. There's a link down there. This from J.Allen. Spencer, why do they keep Bucky off the field so much? I think this is twofold. Number one, it's really easy to get hurt at the running back position. Number two, threefold actually they like all of our running backs and number three they all have different strengths I think Jordan James is the most physical runner I think Whittington is probably the most balanced and most explosive and I think Bucky is the shiftiest though that run he had down the sideline on the swing pass that is the quickest I've ever seen Bucky Irving look he looked really really good but I, I think the injury component of wanting to keep these guys fresh is certainly in play but the other, the other side of the coin is if, if you have three guys 
and they could all do really good things for you and they all bring something different to the table. It'll depend on what play you're calling. It'll depend on the hot hand. It'll depend on just kind of how, how the game is, is progressing and such. But expect to see this three-man rotation of running backs throughout the course of the season. Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, jo- Jordan James, because they're all really good. And they all do things exceptionally well. But, you know, why do they not have them on there for a prolonged stretch? Probably had to do with with the play calling, the types of plays that they were running, the personnel that they had on, on the field, and just, you know, kind of playing the hot hand. I mean, Whittington, Whittington had a really good run. You're not going to pull him off the field after that. You're going to let him go until he kind of cools off. Then you might put someone else in. But maybe that's short yardage and you want Jordan James. So um, I, I think that we'll expect to see three running backs throughout the course of the year. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.